Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. I am attorney Sean Bigley, and I'm here with my co-host, Lindy Kaiser. We're talking this segment about how to show you're clearable, specifically within the context of how to get a company or an employer to sponsor your clearance, which I know, Lindy, is sort of the ever-present conundrum for cleared contractors. What is the typical scenario where you see this come up? Uh, I'm assuming, obviously, you know, people who are job hunting, but is there a specific you know, concern or a specific issue that seems to be most predominant within this? No, I just, it's just one of those like questions that continually comes up for us, right? Because we have so many folks who like, hey, we know clearance jobs. You have to have a current clearance in order to register on clearance jobs. What if I'm in that boat where I don't already have a clearance? So I didn't serve in the military. Maybe I didn't have, I've never had a government job before, but I feel that I am clearable. And so I want to demonstrate to a company that I have that skill set. And fortunately, Security clearance processing times have been steadily improving. I mean, it was a really tough case to prove when we were looking at, you know, a 300-day average to get just a secret security clearance. Now, it's still not fast. I wouldn't I wouldn't call the process fast, but it is a lot easier to to move through and there are a lot of especially the bigger companies that we talk to who say they have provisions in place and they are really looking for folks who are willing to obtain a security clearance and who want to get sponsored. And so we definitely give folks, you know, tips on clearance jobs in terms of how to look for one of those positions just to say like, hey, you know, list, you know, willing to obtain clearance on your resume, search, use that as one of your search criteria as you're searching for positions. A lot of employers have literally pages dedicated to their positions where they're able to onboard or sponsor a clearance because it is born out of the specific contracts, right? Some contracts require companies to have already cleared folks. They need those people getting started right away. Some contracts actually have, you know, um, applications and allowances where folks can allow people to get sponsored for a security clearance. I'm curious if, if it comes up for you, do you have candidates who come to you for maybe an SF86 review or just asking you like, hey, what are my chances of being able to obtain a security clearance? Or how can I improve my case for showing an employer that I can get a clearance even if they haven't actually started the process? Oh, absolutely. I would say probably three to five times a week, we get inquiries from people who are exactly in that situation and are looking to have an SF-86 confidentially reviewed by an attorney. We have them you know, fill out a mock version and we say, okay, go pull your credit reports, take a look at that, fill this thing out to the best of your ability flag for us any questions you're not sure how to answer. That's something that I think a lot of people find very valuable, especially if they haven't been through the process to get that feedback about, well, you know, realistically, what are my odds of getting this clearance? Is it worth investing the time and energy in going through this process? Or am I better off kind of getting my, you know, house in order, so to speak, whether that be fiscal or, you know, substance abuse or whatever potential issue, you know, waiting a couple of years and then trying and, and having a better chance at that point. We give people, you know, those kind of assessments. And obviously, you know, we don't have a crystal ball. We can't guarantee that anybody's going to be able to get the clearance, but we can usually give folks a fairly accurate assessment of their odds. So sort of, you know, shameless self plug here, but I do think it's a valuable thing that folks would be wise to consider who are in that boat. But we also get the opposite 
way where we have employers who occasionally send folks to us and say, you know, we'd really like to hire this person. Can you give them some guidance and make sure that they're actually clearable? And so that's something as well for employers. Now, I realize that not all employers are going to want to do that. From an employer standpoint, sometimes that's also valuable to, you know, make sure that if you're going to invest the time and money in onboarding somebody that, you know, you you kind of have a realistic sense of whether they're going to get the clearance. Backing up here for a second from kind of a, a big picture standpoint, the question often comes up for folks who haven't been through the process before and, and are looking to get sponsored, or, or maybe they previously had a clearance and it's lapsed. The question often comes up, you know, what are the real potential hurdles here for most people? And how do I convince an employer to sponsor me? How do I improve my odds? And so I think you would agree, Lindy, right? That you know, probably the, the the number one biggest issue statistically for folks is financial issues, back taxes, late filed taxes, delinquent debts, things like that. And I'm sure that comes up a lot on clearance jobs, right? Questions about financial issues. Oh yeah. I mean, by far, I mean, my, my first response to this question is always pull a copy of your credit report, right? And know what's in there. And any financial issues that you can mitigate ahead of time is certainly probably the best thing that you can do to increase your clearability, just because that is the biggest issue that's affecting the majority of security clearance applicants, whether it's the biggest security issue or vulnerability is another matter entirely, but it is the thing that is most likely to get flagged. And even as we move through continuous vetting and what is getting pulled through those, you really cannot hide your financial issues. And it's one of those things that is I mean, fairly easy to address because I think we have the common, I think, um, misconception that if you have a lot of debt, you're not going to be able to obtain a security clearance. But I've literally seen defaulted debt in the six figures that someone was able to mitigate and how they mitigated it was by like showing the cause of it, if it was a business failure or whatever it was, and that they took proactive steps and that they took those steps before their clearance was denied. Because I think sometimes if you get denied a clearance and then you have a real change of heart and you want to be a responsible person, that's a lot harder to overcome than just taking a few steps. And you've written about that a ton at clearance jobs, just how like, you know, sometimes hiring an office organizer or somebody to get your affairs in order is, is one of the better steps you can take as you're applying for a security clearance versus, you know, overthinking that one time you did drugs five years ago. Yeah. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and you know, it's funny you mentioned that article because if memory serves me, I had some people reach out and kind of go, huh, you know, hiring, why, hiring a personal organizer, why did, why on earth, you know, is that relevant to a security clearance? I just said, you know, look, I, I can't count the number of cases I've seen over the years where people have just been up to their eyeballs in delinquent debt. And the excuse has been, well, it, it you know, just got away from me and, you know, I'm not organized and, and I, you know, I couldn't keep up with things. The paperwork was just too much. It wasn't a failure to pay, an inability to pay, I should say, as much as it was just disorganization. And so that's a huge thing. You're not going to get a whole lot of sympathy there, unfortunately, from the government. Same with taxes, you know, late filed taxes, late paid taxes. There's this really common misperception that we run into from folks who think that they have three years to file their tax returns if they don't owe money. And that's something I've covered before as well. There's some poor language on the IRS website that gives people that erroneous perception. But the reality is you have to file your tax return by the due date the following year 
And if you don't, it is considered late whether or not you owe money. Now, there's not a penalty for that necessarily if you don't owe money. But when it comes to a security clearance, there is. And so getting that sort of stuff in order, annualcreditreport.com is the one official approved website that is um, put out there by federal law that allows folks to get a free copy of their credit report from each of the three bureaus once every year. So I always encourage people to take advantage of that. I hear a lot, you know, oh, I didn't know that was on my credit report. Okay, well, (laughs) pull your credit reports and you'll know. And, And, you know, you get it resolved before, as you said, you apply. It is so much more likely that you're going to be successful. Um, there are lots of other things that go in that same vein. If you have an alcohol problem or you have a drug problem, get it addressed. There's no shame in that. But, you know, getting out ahead of it and being proactive and then being able to show that you have a certain amount of sobriety under your belt, that's a heck of a lot better than trying to white knuckle your way through the process and, and hope that it doesn't get caught. Same thing with mental health and on and on and on. Proactivity really is the name of the game. So if you are trying to get that clearance sponsored, you know, if you can show that and you can kind of convince the employer, hey, yes, I, I understand there are some potential issues here, but I've you know, really done my due diligence to understand what the government's concerns would be and to address them, that is going to go a long way. It's really about doing, you know, some, again, some research and having some knowledge under your belt, which I mean, that's common advice that we give to job seekers. You know, sometimes you're surprised how many people will interview with the company and not really have any idea what the company does. It's very similar to the security clearance process, right? If you would like to obtain a security clearance, knowing what the process looks like ahead of time and being a little proactive, I think if you're sitting in an interview with an employer and they're going to have to put you on overhead for a clear position, right? If you, if they're waiting for you to obtain a clearance, showing them that you've read through the adjudicative guidelines that you know what this process is like, that you know it will take a while, but you're excited to do other work while you're waiting for your security clearance to come in. I think that small amount of effort will, would pay huge dividends in, in terms of getting somebody to take a chance on you, just a little bit of research. Oh, I, I agree. Absolutely. And, and in that same vein, I mean, I, I get calls all the time from people who are asking just basic questions such as, you know, what sorts of things are the government going to be looking at? what is covered in the security clearance process. And so I always tell them, well, you know, a great place to start is just go online, Google SF86, which is the application form that everybody fills out who's applying for a clearance, no matter the level, and scroll through it and see, you know, what areas are are covered. Sometimes people are really, really worked up over something that isn't even covered during the background investigation process. Um, And so, you know, that's great peace of mind to know that. Or conversely, sometimes people aren't fully appreciating that, you know, maybe there is something in their background that is going to come out or be a concern. And so having that knowledge up front is really helpful as well. But, you know, to your point, Lindy, on the issue of, you know, having to put an employee on overhead, one of the things that we have sometimes encouraged folks to do who are in this boat and, and, you know, maybe questioning whether or not, you know, the employer is willing to sponsor their clearance is to, offer either that the employer sponsor their clearance and then not give them a start date until they get the interim or the final clearance, depending on the situation. So if the employee, for example, has an existing job, they can accept the the offer with the new employer, fill out the SF-86, get the clearance process started, and then just don't give notice to the current employer until you know that the clearance has been processed. That's a great way to kind of thread the needle that keeps everybody happy. I think, you know, what I would 
want people to understand with this is there's a lot of options here. Obviously, you know, folks who are on clearance jobs and and looking at at positions there are expected to already have a clearance at some level, but there are certainly ways to get your foot in the door in the cleared world. You know, so you gotta gotta start somewhere, right? So there's ways to do it and and it is just sometimes a matter of thinking outside the box. This is Katie Keller, editor at clearancejobs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of ClearedCast. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit news.clearancejobs.com.